we're starting a, a series called Reconciled. There's not a person in the room that hasn't been reconciled to God or doesn't need to be reconciled to God. Can I ask us just to bow our heads in prayer for a brief moment? Father, I thank you for every life in this place. I pray your blessing and favor over them. I pray that you would open up every ear to hear who you are, what you're speaking into our life, how you long for us to grow in who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God. For those of us that know you, may we come into a deeper understanding of who you are. For those of us that are yet to discover who you are, may you open up their ears, their eyes, to see you in your fullness and in your majesty and in your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Just by way of introduction this afternoon, Christ crossed every line to rescue every single person from fear, from sin, and from death. We celebrate Christmas, and I know for a lot of us, like the 1st of December, marks a day in the calendar where it's okay to play the Christmas music in the office. It's okay to get your Christmas tree out. It's a little early for me, but I'm not judging you if you do, if you do doing that. But we celebrate Christmas because we're celebrating our king becoming vulnerable, becoming weak, and humbling himself so that we had the opportunity and the invitation to be reconciled to God. Rick Warren asserts to us that the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ came to do three things. He came to have my past forgiven, to give a purpose for living, and a home in heaven. So I want you to think for a moment about anyone in this place that maybe you've not been reconciled to, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's in your own walk with God. Just by way of vulnerability, I, I will share a small story. I can't go into too much detail, um, but in 2008, I had an argument with some people in January 2008 that um, I love very much. I fell out sufficiently with them, and in my arrogance, in my flesh, in my brashness of, of being a Christian, I decided that I was right and that they were wrong. Anyone ever done that? No, just me? Okay. <laughs> You'll get there. Um, and so in that, it's amazing how pride can then creep in. A couple of weeks leads to a couple of months. A couple of months leads to a year. It's Christmas time. You should be with loved ones and family members. Birthdays went, Easter's went, everything went. Anyway, long story short, about 18 months went and I had planned a trip to go to America for uh, six months. And I was just having dinner with a couple of the, the guys in my cell at the time. And don't take this the wrong way. I do not want anyone to go, ah, but somebody actually asked me, how are you? Uh. <laughs> and um, they then began to ask me about some people that I love very much. And I was unable to give them answers because I didn't know. They didn't know whether I was dead or alive. They didn't know where I was working. They didn't know where I was living. Nothing for 18 or 19 months. It's a long time, I can assure you. And they just said, you need to pick up the phone. And I'll be honest, I picked up the phone to stop the person that was nagging me. You ever do that? You just want to get them off your back? Unsure of how the other person on the end of the phone may or may not respond. They could go, well, why are you calling me? Who are you to phone me right now? You can imagine all the emotions and thoughts that are going through my mind. Anyway, picked up the phone, the, called the person, they answered, long story short, I'm probably in better relationship with those person and persons than I've ever been at any point in my life because God 
reconciled me to them and them to me. So I want to, to, to tell you today that there is a possibility for reconciliation. Reconciliation between you and God, reconciliation between you and family members, but it starts with vulnerability. It starts with understanding the need to be reconciled. Let's look at Colossians 1, 20 through 23. If you have your Bibles with you, Colossians 1, 20 through 23. It's Paul speaking. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in the faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that must be proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So what is the message of reconciliation? In the church in Colossae at the time, there were teachings that were attacking the gospel. They were saying that Christ was not God and that further understanding, further theology, further revelation was needed in order for salvation. So Paul writes these letters to the Colossians to defend the supremacy of Christ. He had said earlier in the passage in verse 19 that it's the fullness of God dwells in Christ. Essentially, Paul was saying that Christ is God. He also said that through Christ all things can be reconciled. Understand this, reconciliation is at the heart of the gospel. If you're wondering for a definition of reconciliation, there are a few. To renew a friendship, to restore friendly relations, or to repair to right relationship. Paul told this church that if anybody was going to be saved, going to be reconciled to God, it must be through Christ. He is the only one that can renew our relationship with God. And in considering Paul's defense of Christ and the gospel in this passage, he calls himself a servant in verse 23. This is the gospel that you heard and that must be proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Because Paul was saved and transformed by this gospel, he became its servant. That is the natural response for someone who has been changed and reconciled to God. He wants to serve this gospel by sharing it and enduring it, whatever the cost that may come in the process. That is the only appropriate response for someone who is convinced of God's innate worth. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 20, where Paul begins to continue this theme of reconciliation for us this afternoon. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 20. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though Christ were making this appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So I'm going to ask a question for you, whether you're a Christian in this house today or maybe you are exploring the Christian faith. 
where are you on that scale of reconciliation with God? Take a moment. Where are you on that journey? Are you fully reconciled to God? Are you kind of on the way? Are you discovering what that way looks like? Because right the way through the gospel, you will see it's always about reconciliation and restoration. God, for us as believers, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In this way, we become Christ's ambassadors. We are to tell everyone in the world the wonderful opportunity that they have been made right with God through Jesus Christ. We implore them to believe in Jesus. Their sins do not count against them because we are reconciled through him. It is a massive responsibility for us because it gives an opportunity for people to turn their hearts towards God. And you're looking at someone that has been reconciled, is being reconciled, and will continue to be reconciled. Amen? Because we work out our faith day by day. And I've been on that journey where I've been far away from God, where I've been an ambassador of the world. Has anyone ever been at that point? Yeah? Championing the things of the world. I've probably got some degrees in that in various capacities. Right? But here's this. If we don't open up our hearts to be reconciled, we can never be reconciled. Often we cry out that we're searching for God, but we make little or no effort to seek him out. The Bible speaks so clearly, the measure that you seek him is the measure that you find him. So under one of these chairs is a hundred pounds. Who believes that? Who definitely doesn't believe that? Who's not making any decisions? Because <laughs> you're not sure, right? So if I asked everybody to leave, and I invited just randomly one person in, and I said, two minutes, two minutes, search for that 100 pounds, two nice 50 pound notes stapled or sellotaped under one of these chairs, who thinks that they would find it in two minutes? Come on, let's do a poll. Engage with me this afternoon. So there's a few confident people that are going to get through about three or four hundred chairs. I would like to suggest to you that you probably wouldn't be able to do it. Now you spend two hours. Hands up who thinks they'll find those two 50-pound notes. A few more hands are going up. What's the difference? What's the difference? The amount of time that you're prepared to sow into seeking out that blessing. I want to suggest the same thing is true in your walk with God. The same thing is true in being reconciled to God. We can't pay him lip service. It has to be full attention all the time. And just to clarify, there are no 50-pound notes, so please, after the service, don't be tearing up the chairs. <laughs> Sorry about that. Let's remember, God sent Jesus for us, for our benefit. When we accept, endorse, and replicate the message of reconciliation, we can apply its truths to our lives. But why did God send Jesus for us? What purpose does it serve? So I want to suggest to you today that if you're a Christian, the following points I'm about to make are going to reinforce or augment your faith. And if you're not a Christian, I'm hoping to bring some clarity and visibility to all that Jesus has done for you. Learning outcome number one, to reconcile us to God. The reconciliation that needs to happen between man and God goes both ways. Exactly the same thing in that example that I gave you. You can have all the appetite in the world to be reconciled to somebody else if you've fallen out with someone, but if they've got no motivation to be reconciled to you, it's not going to happen. But, praise God, 
God always wants to be reconciled to us and us to him. So we know we can win and be reconciled in that moment. He has removed the obstacle that has separated us from him, the guilt of our sin. He took the steps that he, we could not take to remove our own judgment by sending Jesus in our place. Romans 5 verse 10, while we were enemies with Christ, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Reconciliation on our side is simply to receive what God has already done for you. The way that we receive that gift, which is free, is to open up our hearts, open up our lives, and declare the lordship of Jesus Christ in every moment, in every situation, in our hearts. Number two, learning outcome, to bring us to God. We know that the gospel equals good news. I have some news for you. The gospel is only good news to those that accept it. Let's be clear. It's only good news to those that accept it. And it ends with one thing, God himself. God has done everything necessary to captivate us, to give us a joy, to give us a peace, to give us an understanding and a purpose for our lives in him. 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous and for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. The great theologian A.W. Tozer said, the more I learn about the sin in my own heart, the more I want to know God's grace. Perhaps that's you this afternoon and you think that there's so much sin in your life that you can't be reconciled to God. Trust me, there's probably nobody in the room right now, if you go back 15 years, that had greater sin than you. I assure you. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, I've done everything that you can possibly think of and a whole bunch of stuff that you probably wouldn't believe if I did tell you. And I have a witness today, this afternoon, my best friend is in the house who I've known 29 years of my life. He will vouch and verify for it if you want to ask him afterwards. But let me tell you this, nobody is beyond reconciliation with God. If you think that you're beyond reconciliation with God, if you think that your sin or your guilt or your shame or anything that's happened in your life prevents you from being connected or reconnected to God, you're wrong. He longs to be in relationship with you. Why? Because number three, he wants to take away our condemnation. Condemnation is very, very powerful for Christians and non-Christians. Condemnation is what stops a lot of Christians from even coming to a service like this. Condemnation stops a lot of Christians from going to their cell meetings, from coming to church, from taking communion. Condemnation can paralyze a believer's life and heart and appetite for the things of God because we feel condemned, even though the Bible says very clearly there is therefore now no, not even like a little bit of residue here, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ means that you're in relationship with him. Amen? The death of Christ secures freedom from condemnation for those that believe that Christ has paid the ultimate price. Number four, to demonstrate Jesus' own love for us. This is something I always try and, I've wrestled with this for many years. Try and imagine that right now that you are the only person in the world. Just, just do something crazy. I mean, like, imagine like an aeroplane where they just, there's no pilot. So you can go to an airport, there's nobody to check your stuff in, it's all automated. You're the only person in Heathrow right now. Like just, I mean, that would be amazing, right, when you're going on holiday. <laughs> but th think about it for a second. Imagine that you are the only person on, on the earth. He would still have died for you. Don't think that he's died for masses. 
He would still have died for you. When you try and wrestle with that, when you try and get your head and your heart around that thought that the creator of heaven and earth would send his only son, his perfect son, everything that he had, the best of the absolute best, not what your auntie or your uncle or grandma is going to give you at Christmas, you know, those packs of socks and the t-shirts that you don't want to wear, you know, not that stuff, like the best of the best of the best for you because he wants to be reconciled to you and you to him. The death of Jesus is also the supreme expression that he loved and gave his life for me. Galatians 2.20 Remember, it's our sin that cuts us off from God. All we can do in those moments is to plead mercy. Number five, to give eternal life to everyone who believes in him. The greatest sacrifice presents the greatest invitation. Like any invitation, it requires an active response. So it's Christmas time. I'm so sure many of you are getting invitations to Christmas dinners. Yes? Amen? Anyone like turkey? Yeah. Christmas pudding? Yeah. Stuffing? Yeah. Brussels sprouts? Yeah. Okay, so... So everyone that just said yes to a whole bunch of stuff, send me your invites. I will be around for dinner. Amen? But let's, let's keep it real for a second. If you get an invitation to a dinner, it requires a response. You can't decide a day after the dinner is meant to have happened, I'll go along. Right? It requires you to respond there and then. It requires an active response. Jesus made it plain that rejecting eternal life would result in misery for us. But for those of us in Christ, the best is still yet to come. 1 Corinthians 2.9 No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Which means nobody on the earth has visibility for what God wants to do in your life. How awesome is that? We've got a perfect God we will see the all-satisfying glory of God. John 17, 3, this eternal life that you know only through the true God and through Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The gospel is not about moralism. Sin and moral behavior is not an issue. It's always about God's grace. There is nobody in heaven but forgiven sinners because there is nobody available to go to heaven except forgiven sinners and you're looking at one amen why because those people have been reconciled to christ so i want to ask a question for each of you today have you been reconciled do you know that you know that you know for sure that you didn't just have a fleeting moment of emotion in a service with lots of lights and your friend gave their life so you gave your life Remember, I've said many times as well that God has no grandchildren. Amen? So you can't live your walk with Jesus through your mother or father or through your best friend. You're a son, you're a daughter of the Most High God. And he loves you. And he longs for you to be with him and you, him with you. But that spirit of reconciliation, that message of reconciliation requires us to humble ourselves, to open our hearts and minds to receive that reconciliation.
because without it, we're just going through the motions of life, come to church, we do the things that we want to do, and we fail to understand the totality of the price that Jesus paid for you and for me.